So today we're continuing our series, Growing in Spiritual Maturity. You ever seen somebody that's been a Christian for a long, long time and they never grew spiritually? You ever seen that? They can be in church for 30, 40, 50 years and still a babe in Christ. That ought not to be. So here's the thing. It's only going to happen intentionally. Why do we call what happens on 380 accidents? Bad things happen accidentally, right? Good things only happen intentionally. And the good things in your life are only going to happen because you initiate them, because you decide, I'm going to do this. Good change only happens. Haven't you noticed that when you make one little adjustment for the positive, just one little good adjustment, how much good comes from that? What if we made big adjustments? What if we made giant steps of faith? How great could our lives change? So today we're going to be talking about spiritual fruit, bearing fruit in your life. What kind of fruit is coming from your life? What kind of fruit is coming out of you? Are, you, are good things happening because of you? Are the people in your life grateful that you're in their life? Are good things coming to, to this world because of you? You see, God made you to bear good fruit. He created you for that. Not just to bear fruit, but to bear good fruit. Good things can come from you, believe it or not. Good things come, come from you, if it, but it only happens if you decide it. Can you imagine an apple tree never bearing apples? That's why the apple, was, the apple tree was created. But if it's not bearing apples, or if you bought a new phone and none of the apps worked, and the phone declares to you, Siri speaks to you and says, but I exist and I want you to like me, but you don't work. How frustrating would that be? Well, I guess I have to keep it around because it exists. You see, God gave you the opportunity to do more than just exist. God gave you the opportunity to exist with great fruit coming from your life, good things coming from your life. He gives you the opportunity to be more than just a survivor in this life, and He gives you the opportunity to justify your existence in this life. To do something that matters, that other people look at you and say, wow, that matters. They matter. That's what it looks like to be a godly person. Good things are coming from their life. God made you for that. You know, Jesus talked about, well, there was a day that he got very angry with a fig tree. Remember? It was the week that he was crucified. And he cursed the fig tree. Why? Because it wasn't bearing fruit. It's pretty funny when you think about Jesus from that perspective. He was really mad that he was angry is what they call, you know, hungry and angry. He was, <laughs> apparently whoever he slept at their house that night didn't feed him breakfast. And he came across this fig tree and he wanted a fig and it wasn't there, so he cursed it. Well, John 15 records this. He said, I am the true vine. That's Jesus. I am the vine and the father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit that stops bearing, he cuts away, he trims off, he takes away, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. You are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I've given you, the teachings I've discussed with you. All right, So he's saying, he's saying, look, these are the things that I've taught you. I've pruned you. I've 
I've trained you, you know, and that's what happens when we sit in church and we come to groups and we, we read our Bibles and we study and we do the things that it takes to have a daily relationship with Christ. God is pruning us, he's shaping us, and he's teaching us during those times and he tutors us. And then he says this, dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Listen how personal that sounds. What does dwell mean? Live, live with, live with me. Have a relationship with me. Dwell with me and I will dwell with you. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, being vitally united. The the vine, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You're the branches. Whoever lives in me and I and I in him bears much fruit, abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from me, vital union with me, you can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, he's thrown out like a broken off branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they're burned. Wow, that's a little tense, isn't it? So what we have here is Jesus telling us two things about salvation. He says, one, salvation is about dwelling, abiding with, communing with, having a relationship with, living with. It's to be connected to him. And he says it's like a, a, a branch being connected to the vine, being engrafted into the vine. He says, that's what you become with me. And, and the, the, the vine is doing what? It's feeding sustenance to the branch so that the branch can then bear fruit. Secondly, he's saying, The evidence of your connection to him is in what you produce, the fruit that you produce. The fruit of your life in him is the evidence of being connected to him. So if you want to know, am I going to make it to heaven, look at the fruit of your life. That's a little intense. Look at what's coming out of you. Are you a good person now? Have you decided that goodness is part of your life? Are you a person that has decided, I'm going to grow in Christ and have a relationship with him? The fruit of your life. Now, if we were to name these fruits, what, what would be the names of them? All right, well, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is... Man, we need to do that about five more times, don't we? (laughs) That's the fruit of the Spirit. All right, so here's the visual. Jesus is the vine, you're the branches. Your soul is the branch. The real you gets connected to Christ. All right, so your soul is the branch and it connects to the vine. Your flesh, that's this body. Anytime you read about the flesh in the Bible, it's talking about this body, this brain, all right? Your flesh is where the fruit is produced in the world. So your soul is connected, but the body is where the fruit comes from, all right? So let's do a fruit test here. Are you ready for a test? Everybody awake? You ready for this test? All right. So love, what, what is the opposite of love? Self-centeredness, all right? So what's coming from you? Are people feeling the love of Christ from you? Are people truly hearing the love of Christ come through you? 
Or is it self-centered? How much do you think about you? How much are you trying to survive in this life? How much are you thinking about what you need to eat, what you need to wear, where you need to go, how much money you want, and what you want to do for the rest of your life? And all of those things. How much of your life is self-centered, all right? Or are you capable of, of looking at what others want? You know, Jesus said, hey, the best way to live life is to look and see what others want and say, I'm going to help them get that. Uh, what about your joy? Are you living with joy or are you depressed? You know, I've had a struggle with this recently with the loss of Angela. It's, it's difficult. And there are times that I'm like, okay. But you know what's amazing is when I call somebody and say, hey, I'm starting to feel depressed. It's amazing how just getting that out begins to make a difference. And then I can shift my focus and joy comes back in, right? Peace or worried. Can you say that you live in peace? Are you somebody that worries and frets? Well, John, that's just the way that I'm made. Well, guess what? God wants to heal you of that. Amen? And I say that because Jesus said not to worry. And if he said not to do something, then that means we can get that done. What about uh, patience? Patience. What do you look like on 380? I just find it so funny when I'm watching somebody in my rearview mirror and their car is like this. And they're just trying to find a way to get around, you know. It's like, dude, you're, you're not going anywhere. Just settle down. Relax. Goodness or badness. What's coming from your life? Is it goodness or is it badness? Kind. Kindness or rudeness. Gentleness or harsh. Faithful, or whatever feels good for the moment, or are you faithful? Self-controlled, or, or are you driven by impulse? You see, Jesus takes us to a place of purpose in our lives, a place of meaning in your life. That's where Jesus takes you. And it's a place of, it's a way of living that's beyond what we can imagine when we first come to Christ. This is where God allows us to be useful. And here's the key. You don't have to be completely through the process of spiritual, here's a big word, sanctification. You don't have to be all the way through that process. You don't have to be all the way to spiritual maturity before you begin to experience fruit coming from your life. You could accept Christ today and their good fruit can come, begin to come from your life even today. And, and it, why? Because you're connected with Christ now. And there's fruit that's growing all the time. So what good is fruit, though, if it's not eaten? What good is fruit, though, if you hide it? If you buy some bananas and take them into the bedroom at home where no one else can get to them, what's going to happen? Eventually, they're going to be black and rotted and stinking in your bedroom. Put them out in the kitchen where people can eat them, right? And you've got fruit coming from your life. And the question is, are you putting it out where other people can partake of the fruit that's coming from your life, the good things that are coming from your life? Are you putting it out there? You're connected with Christ and you've got fruit coming out all the time. Where's it going? Is it just rotting off? Are you actually sharing it with others? This is, uh, this is one of the struggles, I think, that, that modern Christians have. Some, some, somewhere along the way, we've come to believe that coming to Christ is just for me to get to go to heaven. But as you grow spiritually, you understand that it's way bigger than that. It's way bigger than you just getting to go to heaven. It's about daily life. 
you know, so if you accepted Christ when you were a child or maybe a teenager or something, and, and you just never grew spiritually, it's just about getting to heaven for you. And it's got to be more than that. You've got to begin to bear some fruit. And I'll share with you some things on that line in a few minutes. Um, let me ask you this. Why would Jesus be concerned at all about the fruit that you produce? If it's not important, why would he be concerned about it? Well, imagine if there was a, an investing company that came to you and said, Hey, I see that you're very capable of doing something big, something great. I want you to make this product, and I'm going to fund you to make this product. I'm going to give you all the money that you need, not just to make it, but to make it well. And we're going to have a huge development of loyal customers for this product, and I want to do this for you. I'm going to give you all the funding that you need. Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to do that? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Especially if it was your dream. Well, this is what God says that I'm doing in your life. He says Jesus is investing himself in you. He's investing in you. He's becoming a business partner with you. And he expects you to bear the fruit that he gives you and give it to others. That's what his expectations are. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business is. You're not servants anymore. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I learned from, that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Why? To go and bear fruit. Not just fruit, but fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my Father's name, the name of my Father, this is my command. Love each other. Whatever you ask in my Father's name, I will give you and I want you to love each other. Now this is one of those verses that it's taken out of context all of the time. Whatever you ask in the name of my Father, he's going to give it to you. How many of you have heard that quoted? Well, here's the context of that. The context of it is this, basically. My Father is investing in you to bear fruit, to bear good things, to do the good things of life, the the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to get it out there. My Father's investing in you to be able to do that. And whatever you need to get that done, if you ask my Father for it, He's going to provide it for you. That's awesome. So this morning, I want to take a moment, and we're going to have Cassie come up. She's going to share a story with you about some fruit that she got to bear this week. Let me get the microphone for you, Cassie. Uh, Jacob, do you know? Oh. She had an opportunity to share Christ this week. morning. I'm Cassie, if you guys don't know my name, but um, at youth this past Thursday, I we go around sharing what good has happened in our week, and I shared that I was able to share about Christ, and so I was asked to share the story, and um, anyways, basically, I work at GNC, which is a supplement shop, and we have a lot of products, so every time someone comes in the store, I always ask the question, do you need help with anything? And there was this guy that came in, his name is JP, and I asked him the question, I said, do you need help with anything? And he kind of jokingly laughed and said, life. 
and I was like, immediately, I was like, oh, wow, you know, my head, I'm like, this is my chance to share Christ. It's my time to evangelize to him. And so I replied back, and I said, well, Jesus is the answer. And he kind of laughed and said, like, oh, if only that were true, you know. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, what do you mean by that, you know. And I let him talk, and I just listened. And basically he said, you know, he prayed. Um, he would always be praying. And, but basically he had one foot in, one foot out, and, um, you know, but, he, you know, he thinks he's a good person, he does more good than bad, and so I just let him talk, and I listened, and I was like, okay, and I think he knew, you know, I had something to, you know, reply back to him, and he said, and he said, he's like, I want to hear your perspective on this, and I was like, okay, and um, so I told him, I was like, well, I, I listened, and, you know, I, I heard that you said that you were, you think you're a good person, and this is a side note, but I don't know if, if any of you guys know who Ray Comfort is, but he's an evangelist, and I've been watching a lot of his videos. Um, and so basically, I used his method and approach to, uh, you know, use on this guy. And so I said, okay, well, you know, you said you're, you think you're a good person. I was like, I'd like to challenge you on that. And he said, oh, gosh. You know, <laughs> and so... I began asking him questions. I'm like, how many lies have you told in your life? And he said, a lot. And I was like, okay. And I said, have you ever stolen anything? And he said, yes. Okay. I was like, have you ever looked at someone with lust? And he said, yes. And I explained, you know, Jesus said that if you look at someone with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And then lastly, I said, have you ever used God's name in vain? And he said, yes. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'm not judging you. I was like, this is for you to judge yourself. But basically, you've told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterate heart. <laughs> and so, you and so I said, and you know, we have to face God on judgment. I said, are you going to be innocent or guilty? He said, guilty. And I said, heaven or hell? He said, well, hell. <laughs> and I was like, and so then we just kept talking. And, um, and I asked him, I said, do you know what death is according to the Bible? And I explained in Romans chapter 6, it says the wages of sin is death. And so God is, you know, takes sin very seriously, and he is paying us with death um, for our sins. And, and then so I went on to say, I was like, but, I was like, do you know what he did for guilty sinners like us? And he mentioned Jesus, and I said, yes, that's correct. I said, you know, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he died on the cross for our sins. I was like, that's what the cross is all about. And, um, you know, that's why his last three words on the cross was, it is finished, meaning our debt has been paid. And, um, you know, we broke the moral law, and he paid the fine. And I kind of used the court of law saying if if we were, you know, a judge, um, if we had a stack of speeding tickets, and someone paid her fine, then we would be set free. We'd be let go. And so I kind of explained it to that. And so then, after I said that, I kind of just explained God's love for him. And I told him, you know, how much Jesus loved him, that he died for him, so that he could spend eternity with him in heaven. And immediately I could tell JP was very interested and this conversation went on for like an hour, just in GNC, and I, we were, he was asking me questions. He asked how I grew closer to Christ, and I was able to share my testimony with him, which just felt amazing. And he just asked me so many questions, and, and I just feel, 
I felt definitely the Holy Spirit was speaking through me during that time, and it was just amazing. I couldn't. And so then um, a later question he asked me was, you know, did I, like, do I feel better mentally, spiritually? And I said 100% yes. I said I can't even explain to you, like, how Jesus has changed my life and, and just how much better I feel. And he replied back to me, and he said, like, you don't even need to explain it. I can see it on your face. I can see it on your emotions. And it just made me, like, so, it just made me so happy that I could share Jesus with someone. And so towards the end of the conversation, um, we, like I said, we talked for an hour. And um, I told him, I said, you know, Easter's coming up. I said, I go to Relate Church. It's an amazing church. I love this church so much. And I wrote down the address, and I was like, if you don't have any Easter plans, I was like, you know, maybe this is your time to come. And I said, if you don't have anything this Sunday, you can come. But, <laughs> but definitely, you know, try definitely come Easter. And so, um, and as he was walking out, you know, I told him I'd be praying for him. And, uh, and so that once he left, I, you know, I immediately called my brother. I told him what happened. I was just on a high. I was so happy that I shared Christ with someone. And, you know, and that he was interested and engaged in the conversation. And it really, he wanted to know more. And, and I was just so, I just felt like that moment was meant to be. And God placed us both in that moment. And so I called my dad. I called my mom. I called everyone just explaining to them. So, um, yeah, I'm just, it, it made my day. It made my week. It made my month. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Let's hang on, Cassie. Let's pray for JP right now, okay? Father, thank you for this, this wonderful opportunity that Cassie had to share the gospel of Christ with, with JP. And we lift him up to you today, and we agree together as a church family for you to touch his life. It's obvious that your spirit is drawing him. And thank you for the fruit that came out of Cassie that day, her joy, the goodness of God, all that you've done in her life in the past, her gratitude towards you, it shined through, and we thank you for that, and we pray for your blessings and favor on her for that. And we thank you that, God, you're going to water and produce great things in JP's life because of this one encounter. We believe you for it. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Awesome. In every fruit, there is seed to reproduce, Right? So we've been using Peter's ladder to spiritual growth. This is out of 2 Peter chapter 1. If you want to go and look at it, this is what we've been talking about for a couple of months. This is our theme so far going into this year is, is growing into spiritual maturity. And the ladder begins with faith. Faith being the foundation of your life. Faith, the cornerstone. And from this stone is how every wall begins to be built in your life and you can't just stick this somewhere in the middle of the brick wall of your life and hope well I'm going to just get to go to heaven this needs to be the foundation of your life and he says add to your faith goodness begin to be somebody that in this life is good that's good fruit right 
And add to your goodness knowledge. Begin to grow in what you understand. Begin to know who God is and what He likes and what He doesn't like. And begin to understand Him and accommodate for Him in your life. Grow in knowledge. And then He says, add to your knowledge self-control. And and because of your knowledge, you've gained an understanding. Now you can begin to control yourself. How many of you need a little self-control? We are all there, right? But add to that self-control then perseverance. And once you've got those things under your belt, you can then become somebody that's godly. You ever seen a godly person when they walk in the room, you just sense the presence and the love of God. Godliness. And that's when you've turned a corner and you've understood that, okay, this this isn't all about me just getting to heaven. And now it's about others being able to see Christ in me and the love of God in me and to be able to hear Christ's message through me godliness and then add to that brotherly kindness or mutual affection or 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 kindness just kindness being kind to one another how many of you know people want a family like this and then once you've added brotherly kindness and you've you're getting along with your church family and stuff you can add love love and look how hard that process to get to love actually is you know people come into this world and they're like oh i know how to love Check me out. I'm the most loving person in the world. But look at the process that it takes to actually get to real love. God's love in our lives. It's spiritual growth. And in that, you'll find great fruit beginning to come from your life. Good things. Your parents won't be so frustrated with you. Your kids won't be so frustrated with you. Your your in-laws won't hate you anymore. (laughs) Can't promise you that one. (laughs) Your boss will probably give you a promotion. I mean, it's amazing when you begin to do the things of life God's way. But also know you may face persecution when you do it God's way. And that's a good thing. Another subject for another day, though. I want to take you to something that Peter also said in 1 Peter chapter 1. Same guy that we've just quoted from 2 Peter chapter 1. This is 1 Peter chapter 1. He said, you were rescued from the useless way of life that you learned from your ancestors. You were rescued from the useless way of life that you learned from your ancestors. No longer do you let your ancestors, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, no longer do you let them be the story of your life. You've been rescued from that. And then Peter begins to tell us how different your life is now that you're in Christ. He says, but you know that you were not rescued by such things as silver or gold that don't last forever. You were rescued by the precious blood of Christ. That spotless and innocent lamb. Christ is chosen, was chosen even before the world was created. But because of you, he did not come until these last days. And when he did come, it was, it was to lead you to have faith in God who raised him from death and honored him in a glorious way. That's why we have put your faith, 
that's why you have put your faith and hope in God. You see, that's why we believe in Jesus. That's why we believe in God. That's why we're here today. We're not here today because there's some mystical force in the universe that's really unknowable, but we're just trying to find a better way to, to find a, a way to get to Him. And we put positive thoughts out into the universe so that that can come back into reality. That's not prayer. We believe that God is actually a person. He is ultimately in control of everything, but He is God. He's the God of the universe, but He's personable. And the reason we believe in that is one thing. Because Jesus raised from the dead, that's why we're here. We don't believe it because the Bible says it. That's great. We love the Bible, and the Bible is the foundation of what we, what we teach here as far as our, our understanding. But we believe it because it is a fact that Jesus raised from the dead. Eyewitness accounts of it, right? That's why we believe, and that's what he says here. And when he did come, it was to lead you to have faith in Christ and God who raised him from death and honored him on this glorious day. That's why you have put your faith and hope in God, because he raised from the dead. And then he says in verse 22, you obeyed the truth and your souls were made pure. Now you sincerely love each other. Peter says you have love for one another. You have that brotherly love for one another because why? You obeyed the truth. You did the first steps. You had faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance. You did those things. Then you started moving into godliness. Then you had brotherly love. Listen, I know people that have attended church for years that they never felt connected to the body of Christ. They never felt like they really fit. They never loved the people. They couldn't relate to the people that weren't their age. They couldn't relate to people that didn't have their hobbies. They just came to church and left. And, they, and then eventually they just fall away. And here's why. Because they never did those steps that it took to grow to a place of spiritual maturity. They didn't do the work. They wanted everybody to just accept them the way they were instead of them changing. And listen, when you come to Christ, you have to change. When you come to Christ, you have to change. I know we don't like to hear that in our world. In fact, we could probably triple the size of the church if I taught it any differently than that in one week. But we have to change for Christ. Peter urges, he says, but you must keep on loving with all your heart. Do this because God has given you new birth by his message that what? Lives on forever. Now I'm going to switch versions here to get to the rest of this. He, he just said that this message lives on forever. And then Peter explains why what Jesus did for us is forever. And he begins talking about seed just like seed that Cassie sowed this week. The difference between human seed and God's seed. Look at this. He says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Through the living and enduring word of God, for all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word we preach to you. So what is he saying? He's saying the seed of your father that impregnated your mother is perishable. No more relying, it's no more reliant than the grass of the field or the flowers in the field. But the life that God has given you, conceived by the seed of God, stands forever. 
Another version puts it this way. James David, would you come? Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living word. You've been born again. Just think, a life conceived by God himself. The old life is a grass life. Its beauty is short-lived as wildflowers. Grass dries up, flowers wilt. God's word goes on and on forever. This is the word that conceived the new life in you. Isn't that beautiful? Every time you share Christ with somebody, It's that enduring seed that you've given out. And they can come alive in Christ. Every time you love, instead of being self-centered, that's a good seed. Every time you have joy, instead of depression, it's a good seed. Now listen, I know that there are some medical conditions that need to be treated and all of that. I get that. But for most of us, it's just choosing to live a life of joy in Christ and giving it all over to Him. Every time you choose to have patience instead of demanding your way, it's good seed. Every time you have goodness instead of badness and you give it out into the world, that's good fruit, it's good seed. Gentleness over harshness, kindness over rudeness, faithfulness over just living for the moment, faithfulness, self-control instead of just living by impulse. Every time we choose that side of life, that's good fruit. And every time you choose to live out those fruits in your physical body, good seed is sown in the earth and it helps somebody. It helps. So before we go, i got to bring some, some reality to this. Here's some tension. This is where the tension gets. This is fruit. Seed sowing. It's not optional. And this is where, this is where we've got to understand it's not optional. If you want to live for Christ, if you want to have Christ in your life, this is not an option. If you want to have a relationship with God, you have to begin sowing good seed. You have to begin putting fruit out there. One day, Peter, the same Peter that we've been talking about this morning, he got out of line with Jesus. Jesus said something that Peter didn't like. And the scripture says Peter grabbed Jesus. And he was angry. He said, no, it's not going to happen. You see, Jesus had just predicted that he was going to die and he was going to be raised from the dead. He was going to go through this trial and, and Peter got angry and it says he grabbed him. Can you imagine grabbing Jesus? And he's like, no, that's not going to happen. Jesus yelled at him. He said, Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. And he called the crowd to gather around the disciples. And you can imagine, Jesus at this point, when you read it from the perspective that he just yelled at Peter, and he turns to the crowd and he says, gather around everybody. You can hear the tension in his voice. He says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Anyone who intends to come to me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. 
And if you intend to come to Christ, these words are so true. You have to begin to let him lead. He says, don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to saving yourself, your true self. He's talking about your inner man coming to him. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? If any of you are embarrassed over me and, and, and the way that I'm leading you, when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, know that you'll even be a greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in all the splendor of God, his Father, with an army of holy angels. What an amazing sight that's going to be. So it's not an option. When you come to Christ, we don't just come to Christ so that we can say, yeah, I, I sure, yeah, I accepted Jesus into my life and I got baptized. Okay, yeah, they baptized me in water. Great, but I get to go to heaven. Wait a second. It's a lot bigger than that. It's relationship. You're not going to get to go to heaven because your sins were forgiven. What? That's what I've heard all my life. I just keep asking for forgiveness for my sins and I'm okay. No. That's the legal part. The relationship part is what God is after. You see, God forgave everybody. It's not about forgiveness anymore. It's about relationship. Am I growing in a relationship? Am I engrafted into that vine? Is his life flowing into me? Am I accepting him for who he says he is, what he likes and what he doesn't like? And do I have fruit coming from my life? What's your fruit look like today? Will you bow your head? What does the fruit of your life look like? What do your kids see? What do your parents see? grandparents what do your co-workers see do they see Christ what's the fruit of your life look like is it good and here's the great thing what can the fruit of your life look like Today can be the day that you make a small change or a big change. Either one, it's going to be good. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for your love for us. Your goodness flows into our lives that it can flow to others. And so today we choose the fruit of God to come into our lives and flow out of us. Maybe there's somebody here that you've not accepted Christ or maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ. You can do that right where you're seated. Just begin to talk to him. It's not about forgiveness anymore. That's already been paid for. It's bigger than that. It's relationship. Begin to thank him for his forgiveness. It's a good place to start. 
But go deeper than that. God, I accept you into my life. I want to get to know who you are, what you like, and what you don't like. And I want a relationship with you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. I'm so grateful for what you've forgiven me for. Thank you for that. And I understand that there's a path cleared for me to walk to you and boldly approach the throne of grace. And I thank you for coming into my life today. I invite you in. And I want to live for you for the rest of my life. I want to be that branch connected to the vine. I want you to begin to flow into my life. Health, strength, deliverance. I don't want these addictions in my life anymore. I want freedom and deliverance in Jesus' name. I want a new beginning. And God, I want to live the rest of my life for you. And I want to do what Cassie did this week. I want to tell people about you and what you did for me. I want to tell people how good you are to me. And I pray, Father, that you'd fill my life with your presence. And I want to change. I want to change. I want to be better. I want to be all that you created me to be. In Jesus' name. Here's the good thing about bad fruit. How many of you have sown bad fruit through your life? Here's the good thing about bad fruit. It rots away. Isn't that awesome? But the good fruit of Christ lasts forever. Sow good fruit this week, will you? Amen. God help whoever that's for in Jesus' name. (laughs) Oh, goodness. We're so glad that you made it today. Thank you for joining us online. Those of you who are there, we pray for your healing and help, and uh, we trust the Lord to bless you. Once again, thank you so much. We love you. Thank you for your blessings and favor to each other. This is truly a loving church family. Um, I'm proud to be with you, to be one of you. I'm so grateful for that always. Would you stand? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your healing on those who need it. Thank you, Father, for your favor this week as they go back to work, school, all the things that we do in our daily lives. Let us remember, we bear the name of Christ, and out from us flows the fruit of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. So bless us as we go, our homes, our finances, our children, our health, everything in our lives we trust you to take care of so that, Father, we can focus on serving you the best way that we can. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.